Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Ben Goreski. Ben is host of the podcast, The Evolving Man. We have a wonderful conversation. We talk about masculine and feminine energy, relationships, addiction, and we also talk about plant medicine. I hope you guys enjoy. Please check me out on Instagram, at NoorKidWai. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records, so check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Ben Goreski. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with Ben Goreski. Ben, thanks for joining me, man. Noor, thanks for having me here, man. I'm stoked to have a conversation with you. No, this is going to be uh, great. Um, you honestly, you you do so much of the shit I talk about on this podcast all the time. <laughs> you help people with addiction. You help uh, men kind of become their better selves. Uh, like you deal with plant medicines. These are all things I want to get into. Um, your your what you do. Your business is called Evolving Man. You want to maybe kind of give my audience a little idea of what you're about. Yeah, so Evolving Man is is my brand. I do coaching, I do facilitation work uh, with groups, and I have a podcast. And the main three subjects that I like to touch on, I'm really directed at men. I, I try to deal mostly with men. Uh, the, the main three things that I deal with is addiction recovery, uh, what we call men's work, and relationships, romantic relationships. So I, over the years, things have evolved in terms of how I reach people uh, on those subjects. Uh, lately, it's been a lot of group work, but uh, those are the main things that I that I try to focus on and that I think I'm at least kind of good at. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to get into like all three of those things, just get into a little idea of how you work with people. Um, before we do this, I, I think I want to get a little idea of your background because it seems like you have like an interesting background and you've kind of done a lot of this work with yourself over the years and with help of other people and uh, yeah maybe if you want to give my audience I don't know if it's a long story that's cool let's go into it well I mean you, you can you can make it longer you can make it short so I'll give you the synopsis and if you want to pick little bits out um, uh, you can do that I'm 38 years old now, and I would say in some ways I got a head start into personal growth work. I, uh, not in my childhood, but I, I, that's where my wounds came. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up with two older brothers. Both were um, mentally struggling in one way or another. Let's just say that a uh, number of issues in our home. Um, I didn't really feel safe in my home. I felt uh, bullied and abused by uh, my brother. Most of that luckily was emotional. Um, I know a lot of people who've suffered, you know, sustained physical abuse and that's emotional too, but the physical's on top of it. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, but a lot of aggression and, and bullying, uh, in my childhood, uh, from my brother. And, uh, he was, you know, for lack of a better term, messed up and, and, uh, looking to, soothe his feelings and got into drugs and, and was in and out of jail. And so that was, he was like 
that was my three year older than me brother. So that was my guiding post. Right. So I just kind of kept moving in that direction. And, uh, we ended up in rehab at the same time when I was 15 and he was 18. And, uh, that's kind of where our paths diverged. He didn't finish treatment. He got kicked out and, um, I stayed and I finished the program and, um, I spent a year in there learning, uh, learning to dig in, talk about my pain, do the emotional work necessary to, to, you know, shed some of that stuff from my childhood and also how to live sober and, um, you know, 12 step program and build a spiritual connection for myself. And, uh, I went back to high school and, and figured out how to go through the rest of high school sober and with some of my sober friends and, um, ended up working at that treatment center that I had gone through as a peer counselor. They had this like peer counselor type system there, which has its faults and can make it a little bit um, inbreedy and culty, <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time has like uh, these elements of like, Oh, the counselor actually really gets me. Cause he was literally sitting in my chair at some point. Oh yeah. Um, and so it actually makes it really easy to be a counselor too, because you, you just sort of get, what the client's going through at some level. So I worked there and realized that I liked being a counselor. I liked helping people. And, and um, I upgraded my uh, high school and then my college courses. And then I went to university and got a degree in addictions counseling from the university of Lethbridge and learned a lot there and uh, did a couple practicums where you go and you work at different places and uh, ended up working at uh, Crossroads, a treatment center that Eric Clapton founded down in uh, Antigua. In okay. the, uh, in the West Indies. And uh, after that, worked at a few different treatment centers. I worked at a wilderness treatment center uh, once I got out of school and eventually made my way out to BC here and um, took a break from that work, uh, got into business, got into construction, like learned how to do some other stuff because I had been an addictions counselor for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that then I joined a men's group and those guys um, got me, they sort of lit a fire under my ass and said like, Hey man, you need to get back into helping people. Like this Airbnb business you're running, isn't your true calling. And one of the codes in that men's group was to find your true calling and go for that. And I really appreciated that. And, and, you know, it was fire that I needed. And so I started a coaching business and started coaching people for free and for $50 an hour. And, and, um, just started getting back into it, like running my own private practice, the unregulated private practice. And um, it grew from there. I started the podcast and it took time, but um, now I'm in this position that I did not see myself getting to where I'm running the brotherhood that I was, that I had joined. And we have 50 squads at this point, 50 circles of men, 450 guys total. And uh, evolving man's doing well. I'm running group programs and, and, uh, stuff focused on relationships, stuff focused on uh, addictions. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm just so blessed to be, uh, you know, asked to be a guest on your show, man. So um, <laughs> yeah, there's so much more in between there, but that's kind of the the gist of things. I, I didn't even touch on the psychedelics, but they came into the picture somewhere along the way. Oh, that's awesome. And like you would say, like all these groups of men that you have, it's kind of like a brotherhood to kind of help people find their true calling and, get to that point. It's interesting. Like <clears throat> that's one of the things, but uh, some guys join just looking for authentic male human connection, you know, mm. like something more than 
um, sitting around uh, having some beers, talking about cars or politics or women, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, something more than sports, uh, something with a little bit of depth, you know, and that's one of the things that these circles uh, offer. They also offer accountability, uh, you know, a, a place where you can say something and people will say like, Oh, do you, do you actually want to do that in your life? Like, yeah. Okay. When are you going to do it by? Oh, okay. We'll check in with you next week about how you're making progress. on that. <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're a stand for you doing what you actually want in your life and, and living as though uh, you don't have much time left. Like, let's go, you know? Um, yeah. So a lot of elements. I can see that. And like male friendship can kind of be good for that too, with the uh, accountability, eh? because once in a while uh, you can have friends, which like, you know, they're good friends, but you can tell them like, I want to do this. And then if you fail to do that, they just might be like, oh, okay, whatever. And let you off yeah. the hook. But you know, yeah. like sometimes when you have these male accountability guys, like they can be like, Hey, no, why didn't you do that? And kind of hold your ass to the fire. Right. Yeah, there's this thing in our society where we kind of don't feel like friends should hold each other accountable. Like, oh, if you're friends with someone, like, just take it easy on them. Like, don't, don't tell, to stay out of each other's business. Don't tell each other what to do. But at the same time, like, we want intimacy and we want to be close. And so it's this kind of weird thing, right? But when I learned that challenge, the energy of challenge is actually like a masculine gift. Mm. that you can bring to the world that's when i started to be able to support other men without apologizing for challenging them you know when i realized that like yeah you know like the male figures in my life that i respected the most when i was a kid were these guys who they did challenge me like a good coach or a mm -hmm. good teacher mm -hmm. right they did challenge me they 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 challenged me in the right way where they, where I didn't feel stifled or squashed by them or, or belittled, mm -hmm. it lifted me up. And they said like, Hey, I see you're here. And I see that you can be here. Do you want that? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Hey, here's what you got to do to get there. And they challenged me to go. And if I, <clears throat> if I lost my motivation along the way, they'd come and they'd help, you know, in whatever way that may be. And that's sort of like, Hey, you can do better. Like you want to do better. You can do better. I challenge you to do better like that that can be a really beautiful energy that like lifts you up and makes you a better person, mm -hmm. right? If it's given wrong, if it's given in, in a way that you can't receive it, uh, it can sort of put out your fire. And so learning how to do that for each other and learning that that is a masculine gift is something that really sort of changed me and helped me see the value of men's circles. Hell yeah. No, that's uh that's really cool to hear. So when you first went into this men's work, um, you what was missing from your life that this men's work ignited in you? And how did that make you find your true purpose? Because that's uh that is I love that whole idea of like my true purpose is something I never had. But then when you came into this work, it kind of pushed you into that direction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how I got into men's work is interesting because I, like I said, I got a bit of a head start. So when I was in rehab for a year, they would have these circles, you know, they, they, it was a mixed rehab center. There was like 30 kids in there with me. And so there were some girls, there were some boys, it was probably two thirds boys. Um, and 
we would have these full group sessions, but then they would split us off sometimes when we do these gendered sessions or just guys group. And the guys groups were the most intense. They were the, the most intimate. We cried the most. Whenever we talked about our dads, whenever we talked about our sex shame, mm. our shame around sex, that was when uh, we had the most powerful groups because every guy had shit with his dad. Every guy had shit with his sex life, you know? <laughs> um, and so I realized like that the men's container very young was, was really powerful. And so when I went to AA for years afterwards, I would often go to the men's circles because I found there was more honesty there. Whereas in the mixed circles, there was a little more performative stuff going on and there was less honesty. So I had gone to AA for like 15 years and, um, and then I took a break and started doing my own stuff to feed my spirit. And it had been a couple of years and I was starting to feel that, that need, I, uh, that, that burn, like, ah, you know, like I loved an honest forum with men and I had tried to throw a few men's groups together, but I didn't quite have the, the guts to create a structure yet that, mm. that I could really hold and say like, Hey, here's the attendance rules. Here's the structure for the group. Here's how much it costs. Here's our rules. You know, I didn't. In the, at that point in my life, have the ability to sort of take command like that yet and um, be confident in it. Um, and so I found a men's group that just sort of crossed my path, a new woman I was dating, knew a, a mentor who was a transpersonal therapist, and he had started this men's circle. And so, so that's how it came about for me. And that's all I knew at the time. I, I knew that like, I actually wanted to sit in circle with men and that this new relationship was a little bit intense for me and that I might need some help, might need some backup um, because I really liked her, but I wasn't sure that I could handle the, well, let's just say this. I didn't want it to go the same way that some of my past relationships had gone that were really uh, fiery. Let's say like this mm -hmm. woman, this woman had a lot going on. She's very successful. She's smart. She's empowered. Um, she knows what she wants. And so um, I tend to find that a little bit intimidating. And mm -hmm. um, how do I get into deep relationship with a woman who is going to challenge me and make it through those challenges? Like I was like, I'm ill-equipped. So I joined the group and those guys, yeah, they helped me with this sort of like grounding masculine energy. And, you know, I'll tell you another thing that, that, that helped me early on we do these exercises in men's groups and every men's group has their own exercises. You know, we've got at least 30 that we do and they're always evolving. But um, one of the ones that we had to do early on was everybody stood up and we walked around and you stand in a circle and one guy walks into the circle and then walks up to uh, another man and looks him in the eye and says, I mean, business. <laughs> and you had to practice saying it like with a really serious face. Okay. Like I'm, I'm serious. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, the guys, especially in the beginning, we'd all snicker and we talk about like, what's that about? You know, like, you know, what's coming up here? Is this like uncomfortable with male to male eye contact? Is it, is it the words that we're saying? Like, it's just goofy. What's goofy about it. But underneath all of that was this like challenge and this test. And we, we had other exercises that would, would challenge uh, the same thing to take yourself seriously, 
you know, like it, it, this is an interesting subject because you're a comedian, right? And <laughs> you know, I'm bringing up this subject of taking yourself seriously. I was such a comedian too when I was a kid. Like I, you know, kicked out of class all the time uh, for being a goofball. Um, but there was this part of me that, that, um, that, and that's good. Like comedy's great. And if you can't, when the time is right, actually take yourself seriously. Like, hey, no, here's what I'm doing in the world. Here's what I'm serious about. Here's what my boundaries are, right? Mm -hmm. If, if, If you don't take yourself seriously in those moments, then you're, you're, um, for lack of a better term, weak. You know, like yeah, it, it, yeah. your boundaries are weak, right? Yeah, and yeah. People aren't going to trust you. And you're not you... going to trust yourself. Exactly. So I got tested in that way too by the by the men's group and learned like, oh, okay, I, that, yeah, you know, like I need to take my mission more seriously. I need to, when the time is right, when I'm, when I've got the floor, I should be taking myself seriously. And I've got to practice doing that. And um, I, I realized that, comedy sometimes was a crutch for me and then i that it was a way out You're like mm. oh boundaries i don't have boundaries boundaries are stupid i don't like i don't want commitment and i just want to joke around for my whole life and, and play around and that wasn't actually true it was really just me uh, it was like a subtle defense mechanism to not have to be committed or have to take anything seriously in my life or or fail you know yeah yeah so yeah there's there's a lot there but um you know, those forums are the best place for a person to um, sharpen their edge. And, and that's like, that's personal growth, you know, as we call it. A hundred percent. I love that. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. Like I mean business because yeah. honestly, I would fucking do the same thing. Like start snickering after it as well, because you're like, this is so silly. Why are we doing this? But I can a hundred percent see how, over time, you're trying to get that into your subconscious is like, hey, when I say I'm going to do something, I fucking mean I'm going to do yeah. something. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, as a comedian, we need those skills as much as any other person in any other field. Because yeah. trust me, I've been through that shit as well, where I've, I've 100% had to be like, all right, I got an album I want to come out in the mm-hmm. next uh, whatever time frame am I actually going to do that? Because yeah, if I'm not going to sit down and be like, all right, what am I going to do daily to get to that point that then nothing's going to happen. You can be that silly guy and start brushing off that shit, but we need to make those same goals and we need to be serious about it. So like how you said that, I really love it. And I love having the idea of having like a bunch of just close men there as well to be able to hold you accountable because I I've noticed even in comedy, it's like when I found other men in comedy who were serious about what they were doing and would hold your ass accountable when you weren't doing that, that's when I flourished the most yep. because a lot of other comedians, cause we're in a competition or we sometimes feel like we're in a competition. We'll, uh, we'll sometimes encourage other comedians to do bad shit. Like, Oh, you has got this guy's drinking right. more. Like, let's be like, Hey, you're fucking awesome. You're drinking. Like, this is going to make him shit your comic. And yeah. that'll help me out when none of that shit's true. Like, it's just, that's not true. And it's just a defense mechanism, like you said, mm-hmm. but honestly, I, I love how you're talking about this. And I, I want to know how, what, what did you learn about masculinity when you started coming into these men's groups that encourage masculinity? Like, 
well, what did you learn about that energy that you you kind of wanted to be like, oh, I need to really let this flourish in myself? Yeah, I <clears throat> I actually, that same year uh, that I joined the men's group, I had written on my yearly goals. You know, I, I used to, I still do every once in a while. Uh, on New Year's Eve, I write my goals for the next year. And I split them up into, you know, um, financial goals or work goals or relationship or physical or adventure and um, learning. And one of the things that I had written that year was uh, figure out what masculinity is and start practicing that. And so I started seeking out teachers who, uh, you know, wise men in my city who were teaching this kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, one of the elements was this, this element of, of taking yourself seriously and speaking your truth. One of the ones that stuck with me the most was this, this man named Satyan Raja uh, out, out in the Vancouver area. And we did a workshop with him and he taught, he told us, he's, he was like, this is how you can remember this. It's your PCP muscle. Remember PCP? It's your PCP muscle. And he said, uh, presence is the first one. So really like um, ex expanding your consciousness into the room around you, mm. right? Um, claim, which is claiming what you want in your life. I claim this, my business. I claim my family. I claim, uh, you know, my body and, and all the things that you claim you're meant to like take responsibility for and, and, um, to the best of your ability, take care of and maintain and, and nourish. Right. Mm. So there's this, um, in all of that, there's this energy of responsibility and, um, fatherhood and, um, like King energy, right. About having mm. a kingdom, like, okay, this is my kingdom. This is not my kingdom. I claim this. I don't claim that. Right. Um, and so that's the C and then P is penetration. <laughs> and nice. uh, there's the physical part of penetration, but this is really an energetic thing. This is like uh, one of the masculine gifts is this like hyper-focused laser-like attention mm -hmm. that, um, that when it's, when it's there in the right way, the feminine energy actually can relax and like be more um the feminine awareness can be more not diverse but dispersed and just mm. like aware of everything around and the masculine energy can be like whoosh, like a like a laser mm -hmm. and so um yeah he would have us like do these exercises where we had to stay like hyper focused on each other during a difficult physical challenge oh, okay. right and uh, also practice like seeing into one another, like we would stand in front of each other and, and practice like opening ourselves to being seen while also looking deeply into the other man's eyes and, and really trying to see him for who he is. Mm. And so <clears throat> the presence in the beginning is this like expansive around you type awareness. Like I'm feeling, I can feel the room. I can feel my body. I can feel my feet on the floor. I could feel my breath. And then uh claim was like, you're sticking the stake in the ground. And then penetration is like this sort of forward um, shooting uh, 
consciousness. Mm. And um, yeah, that, that always stuck with me. There's so many elements to uh, masculine energy, but those practices I found really nourished me. That's the thing is like um, the practices that nourish me are very different than the practices that nourish my feminine partner. You know, I do all these things that are like, you know, like heavy breath work and like huge psychedelic doses and, and like, you know, this stuff that's just like really challenging. Like I feel fucking great after that. Like it gives me energy. I run up that mountain beside me here and then I come back home and I'm like, yeah. Right. And, and, and the ladies in the house are like, whoa, geez, like, can I have some of your energy? You know? And I'm like, it's interesting that I actually ran up a mountain and came back and now I have more energy, right? Like um, maybe not in my physical body, but, but in my energy body, I'm actually like, yeah, you're just hell yeah. And that happens after men's group. When we, when we do these exercises, you come out of there and you're like, Oh, I can't even sleep right now. Cause I'm just on fire. Right. So yeah, that's just a little tidbit of it. And, um, and it's funny how different women run women's groups, you know, because my partner ran women's groups for a long time. And I would, we, we would come home on the same night and talk about like, Oh, what'd you do? What'd you do? It was just like polar opposite stuff, but we both felt really nourished by it. So part of all this, just to rewind all the way back to the beginning was just acknowledging that like, we both have, we all have masculine energy in us and feminine energy in us. Mm-hmm. And that, the, the acknowledgement of that like spiritual truth for me was very useful so that I could go into like, okay, well, what is my feminine energy? And then I could go into what is my masculine energy and I need to nourish my feminine energy too. And I do that. It's just, I don't lean on it as much as my masculine energy because there's sort of like more there, more of a vessel there for my, for my masculine energy and learning to do those practices and feel like, yeah, which way I need to lean. Oh, I need to lean on my feminine right now. You know, okay. learning to do that internally and have that relationship internally has allowed me to have way better relationships with other men and other women, because I can sort of feel their essence and I can, I can dance my masculine with my mm-hmm. partner's feminine. Mm-hmm. Right. And the masculine dances together as well in this interesting way, right? And that's how we do this in men's groups. So just um, that understanding paired with a practice uh, can really shape uh, and change how you show up in the world. I love that, man. And that's like the PCP thing. I love that. (laughs) PCP, an interesting name for it. I might not want to search that on the internet. You'll probably be getting some other stuff, but uh, yeah. Presence, claim, penetration. That's yeah. uh, that's amazing. It's like an amazing, just an amazing way to describe masculine energy because it's so true about how I, I really do feel our energy is like very like into the focused, into the stillness, into the folk and like penetration. I love that whole idea of it. And I love how you say like now you kind of focus your exercises your spiritual exercises on the masculine energy right so like now you want to have more intense exercise more focused exercise because that really helps let that energy flourish correct yep yep yeah and it's interesting how uh you know david data says that uh the masculine energy seeks emptiness you know like we kind of like would want 
to get to that place where we're like, and everything's just, the universe has exploded and there's just nothing. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, like that feels so good. And that, that, that's kind of like post ejaculatory post orgasm Mm -hmm. feeling, right. It's just like, just a bomb went off. Right. Like after a heavy workout and then a sauna and then a cold dip, you're just like, your, your mind is empty and Mm. it just feels so good. Whereas the feminine actually seeks fullness and wants to be filled up by life. Right. And there's a Mm. physical aspect to that, of course, but there's, there's this sort of um, polarity to it. And so you, the masculine can fill, can practice filling the feminine's desire for Mm -hmm. fullness. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can play with that, but um, yeah, I love it, man. And uh, I guess uh, now that we're kind of talking about masculine and feminine, I know you do help a lot of men with relationships as well. Where do you see, do you see familiar patterns with men when they come see you with how, what kind of issues they're dealing with in their relationships or even getting into a relationship? Yeah, I I see a number of things. I see men um, running the same patterns over and over in their relationships, right? And a lot of guys kind of come to me when they're like, hey, I'm tired of my own bullshit. <laughs> mm. Like, can, can you help me understand myself better so that I can understand my partner better? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they, they come, you know, just trying to figure out their partner, right? But where we guide them is, well, hey, like you need to understand yourself better first mm-hmm. right? and 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 then you'll start to understand your your partner um the most common thing that i see and i, I you know this is true for everyone is that we are all actually acting out unconscious patterns in our relationships and um our will is is much smaller than we thought you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this relationship different. It's it's actually very hard to just change like that, you know, and it's the same with addiction. Like, oh, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, yeah. your unconscious pattern is is really this ground in rut that you're they're actually kind of stuck in. So how do you get yourself out of that rut? Well, first, you need to realize you're in the rut and that you're actually operating um, kind of mechanically or um, on an autopilot. And so that's the first crucial thing that we try to get guys to acknowledge is that like you were programmed to want a certain type of relationship by your childhood environment, by your parents or your parental figures. And also by your, you know, by your wounding that you sustained in that time, you know, maybe uh, you know, I know, I know women who were wounded so badly by men that they were just like, I am only dating women now and they only Mm -hmm. sought out women you know but it's it's usually not that extreme but um you know i had a very um overbearing codependent mother and somehow i sought out overbearing codependent female partners for years and you would think that like well geez ben why would you do that? Why would you go towards that thing that you loathed <laughs> through your childhood? You just wanted freedom from women, 
you just wanted your freedom. And then you ended up with women who, who want commitment from you and, and want to micromanage you. And the truth is that our, our unconscious minds actually guide us towards the same things in a subverted sort of desperate way to heal the thing that we were experiencing in our mm. childhood. And so if you find yourself in a uh, relationship pattern that is similar to something you saw in your mom or your dad, that's what's going on. It's, it's an unconscious pattern playing out and it's drawing you towards a lesson, something that you need to integrate, something that you need to learn in this relationship to really find freedom from that thing. And um, unfortunately, some people will run these patterns their whole lives and blame the other person for what they're doing, mm-hmm. not taking accountability for how they're creating the pattern in the first place. Right. And so, um, yeah, I see men uh, in relationships where they are uh, often avoidant. Men are more avoidant than they are anxious, but they'll, they'll be like, you know, I get in a relationship with a woman and as soon as she's committed and she wants to sort of lean in with me and she's like, Hey, let's go deeper. I'm all of a sudden losing my attraction. I want to move away from her. And I, you know, I don't know why. And I, I, it's confusing to me because I actually do want an intimate, I want to be close, Mm -hmm. but I keep running away and I don't know how to stop that. That's more common than the other one, which is, which is, uh, like I can't get enough of my partner. And like I chase women until they run away from me. That that yeah. does happen. Yeah. Um, but men are often in in that more sort of avoidant category. And I was one of those guys. I'm I'm uh, honestly I'm that kind of guy too. Um, can I ask you how did you kind of recognize what pattern you were in, and how how do you heal that and move forward into mm-hmm. more healthy relationships? Hmm. Yeah, there was no magic bullet, but but some of this work around um, presence and really sort of dropping into what I truly want, opening my heart and and um, living more with my heart than my uh, sex centers. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, what it was 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 like digging deep into like, yeah, okay, what what deep fears do I have of being seen or being exposed? You know, I'm doing some shadow work around that. Uh, what am I truly afraid of in the feminine? You know, how do I, like, in what ways do I fear my feminine partner and her power? You know, in what ways do I feel um, bad? Like I felt when I, when I was growing up, I felt like, um, like I was a bad kid and like what I did was never good enough. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't get out of that. And my deepest need was to be just like loved and accepted for who I was. And so the fear is that like, I will never be loved and accepted for who I am. If I like truly let her in. Mm. Right. And so defenses are up all the time and I just, I got to keep a distance. And so part of the work was, was, was acknowledging all of that fear, acknowledging that it's like a, a, a trick of the mind that is actually keeping me stuck there and then doing intimacy work with, with men 
and with women, particularly with my feminine partner to, to like let her into the more sensitive parts of myself, mm. my heart to her, you know, let her see me cry, uh, let her hear about my vulnerability, um, share about where all of this comes from. Right. Harville and Helen Hendricks do a, a workshop called getting the love you want. And they wrote a book called getting the love you want. And they talk about how, um, some of these pieces that I'm telling you about, about how, how we find partners that just like their wound seems to match our wound, like, like a lock in a key <laughs> <laughs> and, and how it's sort of cosmically designed that way for us to come together and, and resolve it. So th the real key nor is like realizing that you have your own particular brew that has set you up to learn certain spiritual lessons in relationship that relationship isn't just a uh, forum for getting what you want, you know, sex, mm. companionship, uh, the convenience of having a second person around to do the laundry, you know, like there's, there's more to a relationship than that. Like you're actually the deeper part of yourself is actually seeking to resolve um, anything from childhood so that you can see and experience God in another person, right? That's my sort of spiritual outlook on, on relationship. And, you know, you can take, um, take on that mission if you want. And what I found is that it's, it, in doing that, it's like a portal for your personal growth and your, your own understanding of yourself. Yeah. The damn, no, that was a beautiful way of uh, describing that dude. Um, and I know what you're saying. Like, uh, I think even pre-pandemic, I was definitely a lot more selfish in my relationships. Just in how you said it, it's like, I kind of looked at a relationship as like, oh, what does it give me kind of thing? And like, yeah. you know, and then you start thinking about like, you know, sex and like good times with a person. And those are the only two things you kind of start thinking about. And mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, you're right. There's like a lot deeper things and deeper connection that if you want to get to that, you have to learn that vulnerability. You have to learn to like open up and you have to learn to kind of understand your own fears. So I, yeah. I really, yeah, I really respect how you said that, man. And it's going to make for better comedy. Like the more you dig into yourself deeply and understand humanity, mm -hmm. right? It's like all comedy is really just like making fun of humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're completely right? correct. Uh yeah. that dude i love that and i think how you said like because with your partner yourself you were saying like she's a very successful strong someone who knows what she wants yeah. and someone who pushes you so it kind of it kind of made it that you needed to really get into your masculine energy to be with her in a long-term yep. basis and it helped your own spiritual growth yeah. And I, I noticed that that's like a big, I'm not the only one uh, who's in that position. I, I think a lot of women right now are really feeling empowered to do their own uh, inner work and they, women need men less now than they ever have. Mm -hmm. Right. Like in my grandparents' generation, like a woman basically couldn't survive without a partner, you know, uh, women couldn't get bank accounts, you know, they couldn't vote like it you know, just, just a few generations back, it was really bad, but, um, now, yeah, there's this real empowerment happening, uh, for women and the, in my 
perspective, it's actually getting safer and safer for women just to, to be themselves, even just walking down the street more mm-hmm. than ever has been. And, you know, I saw, I was, I was at a music festival recently and I, I was on like sitting in the middle of this roller skating rink that they had set up. And there was a woman roller skating around and I was just laying on this couch, like watching and, um, and this dude walked by with a camera and he was like, he looked at the woman and said like, Hey, can I take a photo of you? And she's like, yeah. And she like did a spin or whatever. And he took a photo and I was like, that is starting to become the trend. We're like, he, this guy's asking for consent just to take a photo, you know, and mm-hmm. it's how it should be. But it, I was like, this is, this was not this way, like 15 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sort of invasion of people's space. And so I, I I believe that we're we're actually making a lot of progress and women are are more and more empowered and they're doing their work, their deeper work, and men are challenged to like rise up and meet that. Yeah. Or they're not gonna measure up, you know, and like women's standards are going up. And in a way, like I feel like men were being pulled up to that like we're we're, for the first time it's like hey guys like get your shit together like do your inner work like get to know yourself get to know deal with your your little baby boy in there so that you're not bringing that to to this relationship all the time like women are down to see that and and to be a part of your healing i think but they're not down to be your mom in relationship they're not down to be your healer men have to do this work themselves and i think as a collective we're we're starting to see that like hey like okay how can i level up because you know, women are becoming more and more sort of free and badass and powerful, like their power Mm -hmm. is rising. Right. And so how do we deal with that power without trying to tear it down or, um, you know, being sitting around being jealous of it, right. How do Mm -hmm. we meet it? And a lot of guys come to my work involving men through, uh, women referring them like, Hey, look over here. Like, if you want to know, <laughs> if you want to know where to head, go here. And like, that was my vision with Evolving Man. So I'm really grateful that that's, that's happening. And I'm inspired that men are, are, you know, putting down their money and their time to learn about relationships. Like I've got this thing called the Conscious Relationship Council that I'm running with my buddy, Nick, and it's a 12 week program. And we teach guys all the relationship stuff that uh, we can in that amount of time. And guys are putting down their money and putting down their time and two hours a week to learn about relationships and practice stuff between the calls. And like, it's, it's these are just regular working dudes, some in the mm-hmm. corporate world, some entrepreneurs. And so, yeah, it's inspiring. Guys are, guys are getting it together. Yeah. And I love uh, how you said that, man, like women's standards are going up and it's like pulling us up because that's like a beautiful way of saying that because I've definitely seen a lot of like men uh, kind of look at it the other way, like women's standards are too high and they complain about <laughs> it and bitch about it. And you're just like, yeah. it's honestly, it's not a very, it's not a, a healthy way. And it's like a, a defeated yeah. way to look at it. Right. Yes. Um, I remember like, like I was saying pre pandemic, uh, I live in Toronto. So it's like, there's just so many empowered women here. And like a lot of the women I was dating, they're just like really professional successful women and I think that also had the effect of why I would sometimes had that uh had that habit of ditching out of a relationship uh when I when they start getting closer to me right I kind of had that in my head that like oh I'm not measured up yet or I'm not where I want to be in my career yet so how can I 
be with this person, but yep. it's something I realized during the pandemic that it was just such a like, it's like, no, like being with this person is just going to help me grow more. It's going to help me look at myself more and it's going to help me show up more. And like, yep. like how you said, it gets that, that penetrating focused energy, which like I'm starting to feel like a lot these days and it's helping me really get to my goals a lot better. But yep. even just yep. being with somebody close and a powerful woman like that can really help me grow with it. It's yes. a better way to look at it, man. I really think that's healthy. Yeah. Leaning into the fire, man. There's, there's, you know, we are, um, we're quite comfortable as a species, particularly here in Canada for the most part. I mean, we all have our issues, but, but, you know, it's never been safer and, um, we need to practice. I feel like men particularly need to practice being uncomfortable and we're good at, we tend to be good at doing that in the gym or at like work and business mm -hmm. or something, but, um, doing that in our personal lives and our relationships and learning to like lean into the fire, um, is so important. You know, we, we do this thing in the brotherhood sometimes called the King's chair. And, you know, once the guys get to know each other a little bit, one dude goes and sits at the front of the room and all the rest of the men sit around him in like a U shape focused at him. Like he's the apex of a something. And one at a time for like three or four minutes, guys are just, they just say, I don't see you as a King because, and they say, I don't see you as a King because you're late. Sometimes I don't see you as a King because you change your mind too often. I don't see you as a King because Sometimes you fail to do what you say you're going to do. I don't see you as a king because you're currently in a relationship that you told us six months ago you didn't want to be in and you're still there. Mm -hmm. I don't see you as a king because you don't tell your boss what you actually want. You didn't ask for that raise that you wanted. On and on and on. And then we say, I see you as a king because, because you dress well. You take care of your body. I see you as a king because your eye contact is solid. And I trust your eyes. And so this is coming from a whole circle of dudes. Mm. Very, very sort of reminds you of like the locker room or like these sort of <laughs> confrontational times in school. But in the end, guess what guys say at the end? They say, dude, I feel so good. I feel mm. so seen by you guys. Like you guys actually get me. Like you get my faults and you get my good qualities. And I feel fucking awesome. Yeah. And that 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 practice that exercise is fire dude like it's it's like being in a fucking oven right but we love it it feels good and we actually feel relief afterwards like oh i know which way i need to go and i know these guys believe in me and i know they see my bullshit and it's mm -hmm. a good feeling because you feel like you're in a village like you're in community that gets you hell yeah so that leaning into that kind of discomfort with men is very useful but there's also that discomfort in relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, to sit in front of a woman and say, like, yeah, you know, like here, you know, have her see your how you're not a king. Yeah. And being able to just like, you know, sit in that discomfort and, and let her see you. Right. That's 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 work, man. But it's Hell yeah. deep work.
Damn, man, that's such a cool, <laughs> I, I can see that being a powerful, powerful exercise. Man, uh, I, I did this in like, uh, when you're trying to find your comedy character, this is like, um, these are kind of like little exercises we do too. And I would like, I started asking people around me those kind of same questions, like, what do you see as my flaws? And it's funny when people like actually shut up and open up and they, they start telling yeah. you what they kind of see as your flaws. You're like, holy shit. And you're like, that is so true. But like the way you said how good it feels to feel be seen, that that was one of the feelings I had where I'm just like, God damn, it's like these people really actually do know me and they see this shit. Um, yeah. They don't tell it to me because I guess it's one of our things in society where we just want to be, mm -hmm. you know, nice to each other. Yeah, but they see it and it's just like that whole idea of like feel it being seen it's like very very like nice it feels yeah. great <laughs> yeah. yeah man you got it <laughs> um all right um before we get out of here i wanted to talk a little bit about uh plant medicines just because i'm uh ayahuasca has been such a huge part of my growth um i i kind of wanted to maybe ask like what uh what's kind of been important in your growth yeah, ayahuasca as well for me, like really sort of uh, changed. I feel like it was this thing that is certainly coincidental, if not a cause of this change of direction in my life. When I was about 30 years old, where I had been in, I had been going to 12 step programs for, for decades, and I have no regrets uh, about, you know, that 15 years I spent in AA. Um, but I had sort of taken that step back. And, and one of the reasons was that I was actually feeling drawn to plant medicines, the opportunity for deeper understanding mm -hmm. and communion with spirit. You know, I don't consider myself a very spiritual guy, never seen a ghost, never, you know, like I'm, I, I, I feel like I have a kind of a thick veil between me and the spirit world. <laughs> I wanted to have a more direct experience of, of, of God, you know? And, uh, anyways, found my way to ceremony and, um, you know, the people that I went there with became lifelong friends. They were already like, I already knew one of them deeply. And, um, the other one became my best friend for the next five years and sort of guided me into, uh, you know, we moved into the next phase of our lives together from that point onwards. And, um, I went to the jungle and I've done, yeah, a, a bunch of, of ayahuasca ceremonies. And it's now sort of like a, um, an ally that I go to a couple times a year for, for a weekend or two, um, to get my own nourishment, uh, connect to spirit. And I don't know about you, but I always get these, th th these types of things facilitate a kind of near death experience. Mm -hmm. where you are able to zoom out on your life or like you, maybe you pop right out of your life and you are just in hyperspace for a bit. And then as you come back down to earth, you start to see your life from this different perspective. And, and it's like the priorities get shifted back into the proper place. And you're like, Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. This is, this is so important to me. This is so important to me. Oh, this thing over here that I was worrying about, not so important. I'm just yeah. going to toss that now. And I have this ability to sort of do this, like, um, you know, like uh, when all the filing, <laughs> the files are all over the room <laughs> and somebody's <laughs> getting them and like sort of putting them in the right place. Um, and 
yes, there, there's so many pieces to it that, that have been so helpful for me in my life. But, um, I think that has come because I followed my instincts and like something led you to ayahuasca and it's not for everybody. You've probably seen that, but like, oh, yeah. for some people that is not the right thing, but they have their own thing somewhere else. And so, um, the thing I'll start with is that like, yeah, that I think the, the most important thing is that people follow their gut and that they don't move towards something just cause like they just want to try it out. But because like, what, what is your deeper intuition saying, you know, where is it trying to guide you and follow yeah. that? Yeah. And like, I'd like how you said, like when you're coming back down from the ayahuasca trip, you start seeing the priorities in your life. And it kind of brings you back to how you're saying like your kingdom. It's like, when you have your kingdom, you see what you're responsible for in your life. And ayahuasca can sometimes just kind of be so clearly show you like, this is what's important. Prioritize yeah. that. Give that penetrating energy to that. Yes. And like the rest of it isn't that important. And you just like, you don't need to pay much attention to it. And I think that's a big part of growing up even is just like knowing what what to prioritize in your life and yep. ayahuasca really does give that to you yeah i really feel like yeah it 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 is kind of this sort of near-death experience and there i have this ability to take life for granted sometimes i take my relationships for granted the things the tech everything everything mm -hmm. in this world everything that the world provides like good food and all of the sensual experience of life. I think I take it for granted sometimes. And I just get like really up in my head. I'm like, Oh, I got to get this done. Got to get that done. Then I'm going to be okay. And I'm, I'm, you know, never really fully okay when I'm in that place. And this kind of an experience really helps me um, remember how sacred this life is and how, sacred each relationship in my life is and how everything has a purpose. And so I think that's important for all of us. We, everybody needs to find that from time to time, whether it's going to a Vipassana retreat or going up a mountain by yourself for three days. Um, we forget that we need those resets, especially in the city, right? Like oh, Toronto, yeah. Vancouver, like you get really sort of wrapped up in the concrete jungle. Mm -hmm. Um, but taking those, those finding sacred space in your life, I think, you know, rewinding all the way back to the masculine practice thing, that's so important, being able to take sacred space just for yourself. And it doesn't have to be complex. You know, John Wineland was talk talking about how, like, it might just mean a few hours out in the woods with no phone, no agenda, nothing to do. Mm -hmm. go be out there throw sticks take an axe with you or something if you want but like really just being in this place of like um yeah deeper connection to nature and uh that emptiness right going and finding healthy ways of seeking out that emptiness and uh, bringing consciousness to your life hell yeah i been ah uh... I got one more question. It's the name of the podcast. So uh, Ben Goreski, God, yay or nay? 
Yay. <laughs> All right. That's a quick and simple answer from Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> honestly, dude, I fucking loved uh, this uh, talk. I think we should like do this again sometime because I freaking had so many more topics I wanted to go in with you. Um, but we just kind of got rolling with what we were talking about. Um, let my audience know where they can get a hold of you. Let them know about your podcast. Uh, anything else you want to uh, promote, please do. Thanks, brother. Yeah, uh, evolvingman.com is my website. I'm also on Instagram at evolvingman. And uh, the three things that are worth mentioning is I have a couples course with my wife called Creating Conscious Love. And that's on the Rising Woman uh, website. Okay. It's a course that we created, a video course that we created together that has a, a bunch of exercises for couples to connect with each other. And, and there's a little bit of conflict resolution stuff in there and, and you know, how to understand your partner kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, good stuff for, for couples. The Conscious Relationship Council uh, with Nick Solacek, that's on my website uh, in the uh, relationship section as well. That's starting actually September 15th. So uh, coming up soon. And we've only got uh, 25 slots in that uh, course. And uh, I also have something that I, that I run for guys in addiction recovery. It's called the uh, Freedom from Addiction uh, Circle, a small group of 10 guys uh, coaching with me and group support, weekly meetings uh, focused on addiction recovery. So uh, that's not listed anywhere. People have to send me a message uh, privately to join that. And it's probably going to be full in the next couple of weeks here, but uh, I'll just maintain a wait list. And um, that's been going really well. So uh, thanks, man, for having me on your show. And of course, uh, my podcast is uh, the Evolving Man podcast. And I have guests on to talk about all the stuff that I talked about today. <laughs> I'm just regurgitating all of it. <laughs> awesome. And uh, let's uh, let my audience know, do you do this stuff over Zoom as well? Or do you, is this uh, all in person? Yeah, primarily most things are, are over Zoom. It okay. was like, partially on zoom and then the pandemic happened and now it seems like the everybody's in the metaverse now so <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome uh thanks so much man all right that was another episode thanks for listening everybody please like and subscribe to the podcast give it a good rating that always helps and share it with like-minded people i really do appreciate that you can check me out at newer kid y on instagram or check out my website, newerkidwide.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay. <laughs>